Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is 60 minutes of non stop talk with Rich Zioli. Uh, today is a busy day. I didn't expect it was going to be a busy day. I really didn't. I, I thought uh, Monday after Super Bowl, uh, February, Valentine's Day was going to be kind of a light day. We always hope for light days in radio. I, honestly, truly, before COVID, I feel like we used to have these stretches of light periods. And there just wasn't a lot of news to talk about. <clears throat> then COVID came around, everything changed. And it's not busy today because COVID. It's just busy because of the fact that we've got potentially now World War Three starting as Putin is preparing to invade Ukraine. We also have the Durham report, which came out, which there's so much to that to discuss and analyze. And I I guess my big takeaway from this is, you know, I'm not surprised the Hillary Clinton campaign was spying on the Trump campaign. I think we all knew that. What surprises me, though, is that they were doing it while he was in the White House. They see that is the real, I think, reveal here that is incredibly shocking. We're talking about major federal crimes that have been alleged here by the government of the United States of America. You have to remember something, too. So I know that there's these partisan hacks on Twitter who want to act like John Durham is on his own. John Durham works for the United States Department of Justice under Attorney General Merrick Garland, under President Joseph Biden. So when I tell you that the filings by John Durham, this isn't some independent guy. This isn't a rogue U.S. attorney here. This isn't some uh, attorney general from a state that wants to go after the Clintons because he's got an axe to grind. This is the United States government doing it. And this filing by the special counsel appointed by the United States of America on behalf of the people of the United States of America alleges that the 2016 Hillary Clinton campaign was working to establish a narrative linking the Trump campaign to a Russian bank in an alleged gambit that one expert said was in an effort to infiltrate Trump servers to that end. Now, these allegations are another layer, according to Fox News and JustTheNews.com, of the densely multifaceted Durham investigations. Now, this involves, his latest filings, a federal false statement charge brought against Michael Sussman, he's a former Washington, D.C. lawyer for Perkins Cole. Sussman had been questioned by the FBI prior to the 2016 election as to whether he had been working for a client when he brought allegations to the FBI about Trump's links to a major private Russian financial institution called Alpha Bank. Now, Sussman denied he was working for anyone. Now, federal prosecutors are claiming that's untrue. In September 2021, 
Special Counsel John Durham announced that a federal grand jury has returned an indictment in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia against Sussman, saying that he made false statements to the FBI in 2016 when he alleged these communications between the Trump Organization and the Russian bank. Now, in the most recent filings, Special Counsel Durham argues that prior to the FBI's questioning, Sussman had assembled and conveyed the allegations to the FBI on behalf of two specific clients, including a technology executive at a U.S.-based Internet company and the Clinton campaign. Now, Sussman repeatedly billed the Clinton campaign for his work on the Russia bank allegations. So it's not as if the campaign wasn't aware of what he was doing. They were paying him to do it. All right. Now, the filings allege that this tech executive in question, we don't know who it is, had met and communicated with another law partner who was serving as general counsel to the Clinton campaign, a man purported to be Mark Elias, who was another Clinton campaign lawyer. Now, according to Durham's filings, in connection with these efforts, tech executive number one exploited his access to non-public and or proprietary Internet data. They enlisted the assistance of researchers at a U.S.-based university who were receiving and analyzing large amounts of Internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract. Okay, let's break that down for a moment. Now, when, when you're doing this, that's fraud against the United States government. Okay, so fraud against the government is a huge problem, as you can imagine. The government doesn't like when people rip them off. It's happy to rip you off, but it doesn't like when people do it back. So when you're working with a, a U.S.-based university that is receiving government contracts and you're using the people who are getting paid by the United States government, i.e. the taxpayers, to do work on the government's behalf, on the people's behalf, and then they're actually doing this sleazy stuff where they're making up these servers to try to connect the president of the United States of America to Russia, you've defrauded the government, Okay, you've committed, you, you've defrauded the government of the United States, and you've done it through the Internet. So there's all kinds of federal crimes here that are being alleged. I mean, the, the people that did this will go away, could go away to prison for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's how serious these charges are. My sense of it is, like anything else the government does when they want to get somebody, is that they, they will throw every charge possible at them. And there could be about 17 or 18 charges just in connection with this. Remember, every time you log on to a computer that accesses another computer, you've committed federal crimes if you've done this over state lines i mean there's all kinds of things they can just keep throwing on and throwing on the purpose to get them to flip because they want they've got bigger targets in mind here obviously they've got bigger targets in mind and the government wants to throw everything they can at the wall see what sticks for the purpose of them making that person flip now, according to, again, this is the filing by John Durham. If you are a political hack and you're sitting there going, ah, blah, 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 remember something, John Durham works for the United States Department of Justice. He's doing work that was authorized by President Joe Biden. So J Joe Biden is essentially now the top guy of this investigation. Because they could have squashed the special counsel. They did not. They renewed his funding. He is under the jurisdiction of the Justice Department, which is part of the United States executive branch of government. This isn't some guy alleging this on Fox News. This isn't some guy alleging this on Breitbart or OAN or Newsmax. This is the filing by the government of the United States of America in federal court, alleging now that these executives in connection with the Clinton campaign were essentially now hacking into the executive office of the president of the United States of America. And doing so, utilizing taxpayer dollars to 
pay for it. So whatever whatever Rachel Maddow and the others have all said about John Durham, I think they forget sometimes John Durham is doing the work that has been assigned to him by the United States of America. Not Kentucky or Kansas or this is the the federal government. So with that in mind, he writes in his um his brief to the court, his filing, tech executive number one, we don't know who that person is still, tasked these researchers to mine internet data to establish a narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. In doing so, tech executive one indicated that he was seeking to please certain VIPs, referring to individuals at law firm one and the Clinton campaign. Now, this is where I think the government is trying to go after bigger fish because those VIPs are obviously the people that ran Hillary Clinton's campaign. Does that include the candidate herself? Does that include John Podesta? Does that include Robbie Mook? I don't know. But obviously those VIPs knew about what was happening here and conveyed it to happen. Now, whether or not they circle the wagons to protect Hillary Clinton or not within the internal, I don't know because... Whenever you're being faced with the prospect of going away to prison for the rest of your life, it becomes a very scary proposition. So this is why people flip in these matters. And it's also why the government throws everything they got at you because they want you to flip. And prison for the rest of your life for hacking into the executive office of the president of the United States of America, that's a really serious charge. And if you if you were to put all these sentences together, you're talking about maybe 100 years in prison. I mean, it's, it's significant, obviously. Nobody wants to go away for the rest of their lives for this stuff. So uh, now when they were looking to create this narrative and the narrative was candidate Trump and Russia, they didn't just stop when he won. When he won and became president of the United States of America, normally campaigns will pack it up and walk away. You know, the guy won, that's it, it's over. Let's pack up the opposition research team. Let's go focus on something else. Let's go win another race or try to win a race. Let's go do something else. Go run a Senate campaign, a governor's race, gear up for 2024, whatever. But they did not. Instead, what they did was they worked to establish and continue the narrative while he was sitting in the White House. And I think the reason why they did that is because they hoped that he would be impeached and removed from office. They were lying and creating this fake internet interaction between the president and also Russia, I think for the purposes of having the Steele dossier, which we know is a fugazi, and then the Mueller report coming down to conclude Trump is a Russian asset and he will be impeached and removed from office, at which point then the Clinton campaign will be gearing up to run in 2024. I assume that that's what they were thinking. I don't know. I haven't chatted with them, as you can imagine, but it's my assumption for what they were thinking. But remember something. This arrangement was put in motion in 2016, meaning that the Hillary Clinton campaign and her lawyers masterminded the most intricate and coordinated conspiracy against Trump when he was both a private citizen running for president and later as president of the United States of America, while simultaneously perpetrating the bogus steel dossier hoax. You know, you you get a big pass for what you do in political campaigns. You, You really do. If the Clinton campaign was spying on the Trump campaign, they were making stuff up about Russia. eh, You know what? Campaigns play dirty tricks on each other all the time. Probably would not rise to the level of prison time. Could, but usually it doesn't. Campaigns are nasty businesses and the people in them don't like to see other operatives go to prison because they want to do those same tricks themselves. It's just the reality. Sometimes it happens where a political operative will get indicted for something, but they very rarely go to prison for it. However... (laughs) 
when it's no longer a campaign and now it's the president of the United States of America, love him or hate him, he's still the president. When you've got private entities that are working to infiltrate the White House for the purposes of creating a narrative that the sitting president in the Oval Office is is working with Russia. I just have a question for Democrats. How could that not infuriate you? I, I know we're all supposed to pick our teams and put jerseys on and everything else. I get all that. But I mean, isn't that bad for the country, for our national security, for the world? Isn't that a bad thing? We always used to say politics ended at the water's edge. That was the old saying. We obviously don't do that anymore. But I mean, just the idea that these people would create a running narrative that the sitting president is being held by this Russian bank and is communicating. I mean, that endangers our national security right there. That puts America and our president, whether you like him or not, in a really bad position. If they had done it to Obama, would you have been okay with that? No. If they do it now to Biden, would you be okay with that? Not so much. If I, you know, if, if my people, if my side decides to create, they go, well, we know that he's on the tank for China. We know that China owns this guy. So we're going to create, uh, we're going to hack into the executive office of the president and create internet traffic to prove that, that Joe Biden is controlled by Xi Jinping. Because we know it's true and we want to make it true. We're going to create, would you, would you be okay with that is the question. If not, you should be furious at what is alleged here in the Durham filing. Now, obviously, this is a filing in court. Nobody has been proven. This has not been proven yet in court. Other indictments have happened, no doubt. But we're getting closer to the, to the big question, which is, I think, the big question, which is, how does a private entity able to get into the executive office of the president of the United States without help? And you see, that's the part of this that really makes me interested. I've long said to you that if there were people within the government that were spying on the president of the United States while he was president, then that is the most serious kind of thing you could ever imagine. And my question is, is that what happened here? Were people within the government assisting the Clinton campaign vis-a-vis Tech Executive One and this lawyer to help facilitate the because ha- because getting into the executive office of the president, the computers, the servers and everything else, that's a tough thing to pull off if you don't have help from within. So that's my question in all this. I've got a lot of questions, as you can imagine. 855-839-1210, 855-839-1210. One of those questions being, will Hillary Clinton go to prison or will they get away with it again? I don't know. But but I think it's more and more likely now that that people are going to talk because they have to. Otherwise, they're going to be going to prison for the rest of their lives. This is as serious an allegation as the government of the United States of America can make against people who are suspects of a crime. And again, I said it before, but it's worth saying again, this is a filing by the government of the United States of America. 855-839-1210. Listen, Cherry Hill Volvo, the C40, highly sought after electric volvo and it can be yours and it can be yours sales tax free if you register at new jersey that's right in fact it can be available for you as early as today because at cherry hill volvo they have the inventory the inventory is in stock and it's a beautiful beautiful thing you can go there and see my wonderful friend judith krupnik yosef the general sales manager and pay zero sales tax on your Volvo C40 when you register it in the state of New Jersey. Relationships matter at Cherry Hill Volvo, and they always strive to do what is right. 
They work hard to match you with the perfect Volvo. And if you're not interested in the electric, they have the gas, they got the hybrid, they got it all. And they also have previously owned Volvos as well. And a great lease program called Care by Volvo. Now, I love this program because when you take advantage of Care by Volvo, your payments include insurance, prepaid scheduled maintenance, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, excessive wear coverage, and more. And after just five months, you have the option to change to a different Volvo, keep the Volvo you have, or even cancel the lease altogether. Talk about simplifying your life, right? Just stop in for details and to learn more about Care by Volvo. The people at Cherry Hill Volvo are about partnerships, doing the right thing, and delivering a luxury experience for you. I love driving my Volvo. I love the technology. I love the safety. And hey, with summer coming, remember the XC90, that is the family car you want. With the third row, the bucket seats, it's beautiful, it's stylish, and it is one of the most safest cars you can have your family in as you go on your summer adventures coming up. Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, minutes over the bridge where relationships matter. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. You're in the middle of 60 minutes of non-stop talk. This is the Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Uh, but obviously this Durham thing, which is huge, is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you by DuckDuckGo. <laughs> Ironically enough, when we're talking about spying on the internet, uh, DuckDuckGo is all about your privacy. They don't care about what you're searching for. They just want to make sure you can browse anonymously without being tracked and having all those different ads follow you wherever you go. You just go to DuckDuckGo.com. You can get the browser. You can get the extension or just browse right from their site at DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. It is uh, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Happy Valentine's Day to Dawn. Let's check in and say hello. Good morning, Dawn. Hello and good morning this Valentine's Day. And Zioli Show News Live Valentine's Day edition. Sponsored by the National Railroad Passenger Corporation. Yes, in the news, we have Philadelphia police investigating a stabbing outside of South Philadelphia Wawa store. That has been happening since early this morning, about 4.15, 4.30 this morning. Also, police say they are... Increasing the reward size after a search for a serial serial robber that has been targeting Rite Aid stores across the city. So the FBI joining in that search as they release images of this armed robber who often wears a stay smiley hoodie, among other things. So $14,000 is the excuse me, $15,000 is the new reward offered by the FBI, as well as Rite Aid through the Citizens Crime Commission, 215-546-TIPS. That is happening as well. Many tributes today in a vigil for Officer John Polowski, as we remember Officer John Polowski, who was shot and killed in the line of duty 13 years ago, leaving behind his widow, Kimmy, and his, who was pregnant at the time, and his now 12-year-old son, Johnny. So we're remembering him and as well as our, many of our officers in the line of duty put into danger. And that from Philadelphia police who remind that they are still investigating after a SWAT officer was just shot in North Philadelphia. That was Friday night. He was wearing a bulletproof vest, thankfully, so he's going to be okay. 
a New Jersey appeals court rejecting that lawsuit from law enforcement unions, as well as other unions challenging Governor Phil Murphy's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. So, no, the appeals court siding with the governor. Now the unions have until March 30th to get their second shot, their COVID vaccine, by March 30th. So we have that. On this, you know, on this Valentine's Day, many were looking at um, the Valentine's, the love statue in Love Park, the love sculpture in Center City, Philadelphia, talking about the history of it. And it goes back to those nine degrees of Kevin Bacon, actor Kevin Bacon, because, in fact, back in the day, it was his dad who was a city planning commissioner who, in fact, um, is credited. Really? With, no kidding. Isn't that Ed Bacon. Yes. Yeah, so kind of credited with the start of Love Park. Look at that. Huh? So. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon right here at Love Park. Yes. I love it. Very so. nice. And uh, the NBC 10 first alert forecast. No, I have to go to Whistler's now and get some wings later. Ooh. Now, now the Bacon family, I have to, get to go to Whistler's. <laughs> Love their no wings. wings. So the uh, NBC 10 first alert forecast today. We also have uh, it's 32 degrees is the high today. We've risen to 20 degrees, but it still feels like seven degrees with the wind chill. So chilly Valentine's Day today. We begin a warm up starting tomorrow with a lot of sunshine. Tomorrow, 38, 53, Wednesday, 66 degrees for your Thursday. is going to feel like a spring day with a chance of some showers moving through. And then Friday, Saturday, we're looking at mid, not mid, low 50s, Friday and Saturday, and a lot of sunshine. So Friday, Saturday, feeling good with a sunny, sunny end to the week for sure. So bring your little ones along for the adventure aboard Amtrak. Start exploring brand new places or visit familiar ones. Book early, save 50% on fares for kids ages 2 to 12. No middle seats and a generous baggage policy. You can travel with ease. Book now, Amtrak.com. This is Yoli Show News Live. Thank you, Dawn, 855-839-1210. Very sad news. Thanks to Susie for sending me this. Ivan Reitman, director of Ghostbusters and Stripes, dead at 75 years old. And Animal House. Uh, What's that? Animal House. Too. That's right. Yeah, Animal House, Ghostbusters, died at age 75. He was a brilliant guy, no doubt. His um, his son, Jason Reitman, you know, he's been pulling the mantle with the new Ghostbusters movie, for example. Mm-hmm. And uh, very talented guy. So, yeah, he, he was, uh, I mean, Ivan Reitman he created a lot of great stuff there. And Reitman, of course, worked side by side with the with the guys, the original Ghostbusters. They, that was his movie. So that was a great one. He made his uh, directorial debut working with Bill Murray in his first starring role in 1979's summer camp comedy, Meatballs. <laughs> Are you ready for the summer? <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, he made his first splash in comedy world producing the irreverent college fraternity film National Lampoon's Animal House starring John Belushi in 1978. He worked with Murray directing Stripes, which also starred John Candy and Harold Ramis. Uh, Stripes is, I think, one of the greatest movies ever made. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Reitman truly left his mark on Hollywood history directing the beloved supernatural comedy Ghostbusters. In 1984, starring uh, Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Rick Moranis, the film grossed almost $300 million worldwide, earned two Oscar nominations, and spawned a massive franchise and sequels, including Ghostbusters 2, which he also directed. Uh, my friend, uh, Patrick's friend, 
Ben loves Ghostbusters. I was we were over at their house. They've got Ghostbusters cereal still. They're still doing the Ghostbusters cereal. Now that's some good stuff right there. If you ask me, you know what I mean. One hundred sugary sweetness, right? <laughs> you would never, you would never serve Ghostbusters never. cereal in your house. Not Ever. in a million years. Not in a million no years. way. Uh, Reitman was born in Czechoslovakia, was the son of the owner of the country's largest vinegar factory. Imagine if he had stayed in the family business and just made vinegar. Imagine that. With the, the, we, all the great works we wouldn't have in the world. Imagine that. Uh, now, his family fled to Canada when he was only four years old. And the communists began imprisoning capitalists in Czechoslovakia. So he fled. I didn't know that about his family. In Toronto, Ivan Reitman began his career in the entertainment business, starting a puppet show theater and entertaining at summer camps. That's probably where he got the inspiration for meatballs, I would imagine. He attended McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, where he studied music and first began making short films. He became involved with the National Lampoon crew after producing a weekly TV review called Greed. He worked with Dan Aykroyd on that. He was paid, ready, 500 bucks a week. There you wow. go. What a genius. Thank God for him, too, right? Because what, what, where would the world be without Animal House, Ghostbusters, Stripes, Meatballs? Come on. These are some classic works right here. Classic Probably get works. canceled now. There's no way you could make any of those films today. Nope. Maybe the original Ghostbusters, but they'd have to edit it heavily. I think. You know what I mean? They yeah. would have to do it. For me, have to be the Stay puff Marshmallow person. You could not have the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Dawn. It'd have to be the Stay Puft Marshmallow Person. Person. Individual. So, that's right. And how he identified. That would be the real question. You know, maybe he transitioned from a marshmallow to a graham cracker. It's very possible. <laughs> uh, listen, your home might be freezing cold today. If it is, you have, an, you have an insulation problem. How do I know this? Because I was in your shoes. I had the same insulation problem you have now. And here's the thing. Uh, no matter what, with your furnace, with, with, with everything that's going on in your house, if you have bad insulation, then the air is going to go right through those thin walls, right through the attic because heat rises, and you're going to be cold, bottom line, and the cold air is going to get in. USA Insulation fixes cold homes. It has made such a difference in our house where even on the coldest nights, our thermostats at usually 68 degrees. We used to have to be up to 75 degrees in the wintertime, and it was still cold all the time. USA Insulation will inject premium foam insulation into your walls. You're not going to see it, but you'll know it's there, and it's going to keep you nice and toasty. A beautiful, beautiful thing. You're also going to save energy, and you know what that means? You save money. Look, this war on energy that Biden's waging, it's not going to go away. In fact, there are people more radical than him. If they get in there, what they're going to do to the price of oil and natural gas, they're going to kill you with it. And if you are looking at the world situation right now, <clears throat> oil's at over $100 a barrel in anticipation of what's going to happen with Ukraine potentially. So you want to get ahead of that by making sure your home is as insulated as possible. Nowadays, they won't let you build a home without state-of-the-art insulation. I'm talking like R50 in some cases. You need to bring your home up to those modern-day standards with USA Insulation. And right now, you can save $500 on a whole home insulation just by going to usainsulation.net. usainsulation.net. Or give them a call right now at 1-800-USA-FOAM. I had a listener send me a nice note last week. She said, Rich... USA Insulation came to my home. They said they could not help. It was not insulation. That was not the problem. They gave me my, my deposit back. They're honest, and I really appreciate that. Of course, they are. And they'll treat your home with respect, and they are there to help. USAinstallation.net, 1-800-USA-FOAM. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. 
United States Senate race, very expensive, as you can imagine. Very, very expensive. I actually have some breakdowns for you of how expensive it really, really is. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here today on this incredibly busy Monday morning where none of us wanted a busy show on the Monday after Super Bowl, but hey, it's our job. What are you going to do? But I have uh, some numbers in terms of what is being spent on this Senate race, and it's very expensive in some charts. They did a, the new the new filings that came out. Uh, I'll give you this uh, to think about here. So Dave McCormick, who's running for Senate, United States Senate, he ran a Super Bowl ad yesterday. And in the ad, he did a let's go. It was a let's go Brandon chant. And they did. They showed all the things that are messed up about the country right now because of Joe Biden. And he ends it by saying this is bigger than Brandon. Uh, and, and it was a, it was obviously a very expensive ad to run the Super Bowl. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people from Pennsylvania watching the game last night. So you're going to target a lot of potential voters. Jeff Bartos, on the other hand, he believes that his grassroots campaign is what's going to propel him to the top as he's been traveling around and going around and talking to people all over the state. So it's it's really in, in terms of the it's a money race, no doubt. And the question is, will the money trump the grassroots of a guy like Bartos, who's been here and been campaigning for years. I mean, ran for lieutenant governor. Uh, Dr. Oz has a political problem, in which case, you know, he's being portrayed as a rhino. Now, the ads that are against him are very negative, And obviously, when they're tying him to Hollywood and he's just getting his walk of fame in Hollywood and they're saying the guy's too Hollywood, that's the problem that he has right now. I don't know if the China stuff is resonating because I think it's kind of they two cancel each other out. Um Bartos says, I'm the only lifelong Pennsylvanian in the race that shows I have an authentic commitment to the state and its people. And McCormick is going to spend, obviously, boatloads of money, whatever, whatever it takes here. So here's how much candidates have raised in 2021. The number one guy, believe it or not, with the money raised, John Fetterman, running as a Democrat, he has $12 million. <clears throat> Uh, Dr. Oz, 5.9 million. Carla Sands, 4.2 million. Connor Lamb, also a Democrat running for U.S. Senate, 4 million. Bartos, 3.3 million. Valor Kush, who's now out of the race, 2.7. Malcolm Kenyatta, 1.5, also a Democrat. Kathy Barnett, 1.2 million. Kevin Baumlin, Democrat, uh, about 650. And then the rest are all um, under $100,000. So that's this is all based on the, uh, the inquirer's data. Data, data, data. Now, the reason why you're not seeing Dave McCormick on here is because of the filing deadline that was made. So he's his money is not is not being shown here on this. But obviously, when you're thinking about money that's being spent, all you got to do is turn the television on and see that. See how expensive this race is. Now, I will tell you that it's a very good sign, I think, that there's so much attention to this race and so much money being spent because it means that Republicans think they can win. You know, if Fetterman gets the nomination... Fetterman is running as as politics PA. They had an article about this. Fetterman's really running like Bernie Sanders. He he's the he's going to be the socialist. And Connor Lamb, he's trying to run as the as the more moderate Democrat. That's the lane that he's trying to pick for this. Fetterman's got the cash and he's the lieutenant governor. He's bucking the system. That's his whole thing. If he winds up getting the nomination, if he winds up becoming, I think he's going to be very easy to beat by a Republican based on all his wacky policies. I really do. I really do. I, I think that. I think I think there's a red wave that's coming to this country, coming throughout the country. I think it's going to hit right here in Pennsylvania. I think crime is a big issue of it. And Fetterman's a soft on crime kind of guy. 
he's also a big on spending money. He's big on social safety nets and all the other nonsense. I think he's going to be very easy to beat if he winds up becoming the nominee. If Connor Lamb gets in there, then you're going to bank, you're going to paint Connor Lamb as being part of the problem in Congress and the House of Representatives, being surrounded by Democrats, letting Pelosi run the show, letting the the wacko squad take over. He's not a moderate. Don't pretend like he's a moderate. He's going to fool you. You know that's the that's how they're going to run that campaign. But I think it's good that there are so many Republicans running and so much money is being spent. I think it's a really good sign. Put it to you this way: a, a guy like McCormick, for example. Dr. Oz, they're not going to spend the boatloads of money that this takes if they think they can get the nomination, but they're going to lose to a Democrat. They're not going to do it. They're not going to they're not going to risk that. They don't need to. That's what I'm talking about. The U.S. Senate race from it's must win for Republicans must win. I don't care who the nominee is. I'm you should vote for that person no matter what. I'm serious about this. I don't live in Pennsylvania, obviously, although that could change. But I'm just saying I don't care who wins the nomination. If, even if you don't like him, you got to vote for him, and here's why. Here's why. The Democrats, if they pick up this seat that's held by Toomey right now, that may give them the, what they need to be able to get rid of the filibuster. In other words, this Democrat could cancel out a Joe Manchin. And if they get win another race, then that could cancel out Kirsten Cinema. And what you may have is a situation where the Democrats then will be able to destroy the filibuster, and then you've got your votes for D.C. to become the 51st state. You get your two more Democrat U.S. senators. They will always have the majority in the U.S. Senate, and there's nothing, and I mean nothing, the minority will be able to do about it. Nothing. So there's an old saying in politics, I don't care if Mickey Mouse gets the nomination, I'm voting for him. That's got to be the way this mentality is. And I'm not saying this to disparage any candidate. I, I really, that's not my job on this program. My program is to bring the candidates to you. But my saying, my point is that when you think about the attention this race has, whoever you like, that's your preference. And I'm not here to argue with you about that. I'm just saying it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. I think it's a good sign. I think the excitement, the momentum, the money... The number of candidates, it all points to a, a Republican win. And and who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Bartos's approach by focusing on the ground game and not running the, the, the expensive ads, maybe that's better. Maybe that will be what works for him because maybe people tune out to negative ads. They find they're too negative. I don't know. Maybe a Super Bowl ad by Dave McCormick is the is just the kind of thing that boom, you can't beat that in terms of reaching people at their televisions in the middle of the game. I don't know. All that's going to play out, obviously, in the next several weeks. It's hard to believe the Republican primary is not until May. So we got a while to go here. Not all these candidates are going to stay in the race, obviously. A lot of them are going to wind up. People are going to wind up dropping out. They have to. But think about some of the issues that are, that are facing us right now. For example, the IRS, the backlog, 24 million returns. The, the 2022 tax filing season is going to be a mess, according to the Washington Post. 24 million taxpayers are still waiting for the IRS to process their tax returns from last year, from 2021. Many refunds now being held up for 10 months or more. Hey, nobody, by the way, in the IRS gives you a break when they owe you money. You notice that they don't give you like, hey, here's an extra hundred bucks. Sorry we held your money for so long. But now if you owe them money, woof, you better watch out, right? So that's one of the things. I mean, this, the, the government is still a mess, a dysfunctional mess. Why is that happening? Here's something else, too. We're still getting spied on. I, you know, this is the kind of thing you can't even believe this is happening. But there is now a report suggesting that the Central Intelligence Agency is collecting more data on Americans. Again, 
A late night release of government reports on two central intelligence agency programs have revealed that the organization is most likely collecting more data on American citizens than previously known. The revelations have prompted calls from civil rights organizations and privacy hawks in Congress for legislative action to strengthen protections for Americans. Both reports conducted by the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board, it's a watchdog created after 9-11, to ensure counter-terror investigations do not jeopardize privacy or civil liberties. And they looked into two programs conducted under Executive Order 12333, 12333 authority. Now, this is a Reagan-era presidential directive which established a framework for data collection by the intelligence community during foreign missions. This was never the intent of what was done back then, obviously, to spy on American citizens. It was, to think of that would be unheard of. But what Edward Snowden revealed was that this was exactly what was happening, and it's still happening now. Congress left this executive order alone, and what they were concerned about, civil libertarians were concerned about the government, could still use it to collect data on us despite new restrictions on FISA, especially since in the digital era, data is far less restricted by borders. In fact, you have somebody here from the Liberty and Security Program at the Brennan Center for Justice and NYU Law said, with the revolution in communications technology, our communications, our data, it floats all over the world on its way to where it's going and gets stored all over the world. And the government is not allowed to target particular Americans or U.S. persons, but it doesn't matter anymore because if the government can conduct bulk surveillance and bulk collection overseas, it's going to pick up Americans' data in the process, they said. Now, you have two senators, a Democrat and a Republican, have said now this deep dive two program, they have a list of recommendations on what they can do about it. But the rest of the report, which was delivered to the Senate Intelligence Committee in March of 2021, was held back by the CIA to protect sensitive tradecraft methods and operational sources. And they say that this is what's being done here is outside of the realms of the executive order from the Reagan era. No doubt it is. I guess, too, I, I put this in context with what you think about with um, the spying that was done on the Trump campaign. The question that I have is, and I still have not had an answer to this, and I don't think we will know it anytime soon, but eventually I hope we will. What was, which agency in government, if any, was helping the Clinton campaign spy on then-candidate and then a sitting United States president? I mean, for that to happen, I think you've got to have the help of somebody in the inside in the intelligence community, who's able to access this trove of data that's out there. And that's what I wonder about. And I've told you this before, too, and I'll say it again. My Zioli axiom is whenever you give the government more power and you, you weaken civil liberties in the name of keeping us safe, this is what happens every time. The big story of the day, it's brought to you by Exergen, Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. They agree with a just-released FDA study. It says non-contact thermometers are not accurate and contain misleading information. So use Exergen. It's what we use with the kids because it's easy. Just whoosh, quick swipe and you're done. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. 855-839-1210. We got a big show still ahead. Canadian judge orders the end to the blockade at a border bridge. Is this the end of the trucker protest? Don't go away. The Rich Zioli Show on your schedule. This is the Zioli Show podcast.
Monday. Thank you for being here today. We appreciate it very much. Did you win, by the way, Greg? Did you uh, have the Rams? I did not. I took the Cincinnati Bengals. I won on the um, Cooper Cup anytime touchdown, but I also took the over in points. So I I was not a big winner in the Super Bowl this year. But I did one. Ah. I did win one of my three bets. So well, mean, that's good. One is better than nothing. So what one is always better yes. than nothing. That's true. I just you know the Cincinnati the Bengals had uh, the big mo for a long you know for for a huge part of that game, and then you know at the very end it. It was just the Rams' destiny to win in their home stadium. I mean, come on. I know. What, by the way, why were they in their home stadium? Well, it's. I mean, it's. It's not randomly chosen, but like this was determined, like years, like last year. So like it's not like they had any. You know what I mean? So um, they bid and won the Super Bowl. I think it's the first time it's been in L.A. in like thirty years. Wow. So, um, <clears throat> you know, they just they rotate every year, um, going to different stadiums. Um, and this year was the Rams, so the Rams just happened to be good this year. So. It just happened. It's just coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Why don't? But can't they do it in neutral territory, no matter what? Like uh, where they play the Rose Bowl. Um. No, well, I mean, like, look, it's a boom to any economy, to any like city that gets it. So, like, cities bid on wanting the Super Bowl in their. Yeah, you know, area. I guess they can't change it if, if no. Like, well, the Rams are in now. We got to move it. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah, It'd be crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, well. Anyway, it was a good game. I thought. I mean, you know, Super Bowls are never that exciting. I don't think. Uh, last yesterday's game, last night's game was good. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was, it was good. Was, it was a good, it was a good football game. Um, the playoffs were better though. Yes. Well, that yeah. The the um, the Buffalo Bills Kansas City Chiefs game was probably one of the best I've ever seen. So. Yeah, that game was was crazy. Yeah. And then the Bengals too. I mean, their last playoff game. Yes. I, I feel like I thought it was the Bengals' destiny to win. I really did. So I did thought I. they were. Yeah. I just yeah. Thought after everything they did to get there, and then how they. Had, I mean, to overcome that and beat Kansas City, I thought they were destined. Well, it's you know you go against you know I went against the Vegas odds because everybody was picking the Rams. You know, like yeah. Vegas was picking the Rams to win. Um, but I just to your point, I thought Cincinnati had the the momentum behind them but they 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 did not they did not no. did not oh well all right 855-839-1210 and we talked earlier about the commercials i think we agreed that the larry david and the sopranos were the two best yes yes okay. agreed by the agreed. way a hat tip to the colin jost scarlett johansson one uh with amazon alexa that can read your mind that was pretty funny that was really funny <laughs> that was really funny yeah, because he she is way out of his league. So, well, you know. I mean, it's, I mean, come on, <laughs> he might be a Harvard no, he's writer and all, but still, he's a you know. he's a handsome dude. He's a, he's a handsome the ladies guy. like him. The ladies like him. He's got a punchable face. <laughs> That's what Pete Davidson said <laughs> yeah. in that in the Mayo commercial. A highly punchable face. Yes. Yeah. Very funny, actually. Very funny. Well, we got a big nine o'clock hour ahead. We got more great audio for you. And uh, I'll tell you why American Gas is coming to Europe's rescue. What I mean by that, uh, it's a big deal, obviously. And what is inflation costing you a month? That's right. What is inflation costing you every single month? It's Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.